Patrick Kane makes his New York Ranger debut, but the evening is spoiled by the Ottawa Senators, who rally to take down the Rangers by a final score of 5-3 at Madison Square Garden. We're going to talk about pretty much everything that Patrick Kane did in this game, uh, talk about the struggles of the Ranger power play unit, and also a bad habit that kind of reared its head uh, in this game a couple of times for the New York Rangers, and also what I thought was a little bit of a misstep by Gerard Gallant at the end of this game. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 783 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And for an episode like this, obviously a little bit of a disappointing loss to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, The Senators were a desperate team coming in. They'd won three in a row. They're trying to scratch and claw their way into one of those final playoff spots there. Um, but the Rangers, you know, had this one for the taking and just were not able to uh, to seal the deal in the third period. Rough third period for the Rangers. Let it get away from them a little bit. But I think for an episode like this, everybody's still buzzing about the debut of Patrick Kane. And as I tweeted out before this game, still kind of surreal to see Patrick Kane anywhere other than the Chicago Blackhawks and the fact that he's on the New York Rangers. Uh, it's still kind of sinking in a little bit for me, even though I just... Watch Patrick Kane play a hockey game with the Rangers last night, but I think we'll start with him and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, pretty much everything that he did in this game, just kind of break everything down. You know, to begin with, I mean, just the anticipation from the crowd when he went out there for the pregame skate, I mean, the crowd reacted big to that. And, you know, every time he was on the ice, every time he had the puck, you could feel, you know, the noise pick up a little bit, the anticipation pick up a little bit. People are really excited about Patrick Kane being part of this team, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, That said, uh, you know, overall, I I thought it was a solid debut for him, but obviously he was held off the score sheet. And I think in general, uh, especially on the power play, but also 5v5, there were times in this game where Patrick Kane had a really good opportunity to shoot the puck. And again, you could feel the crowd, you know, when, when they saw the chance for him to shoot, you know, he'd have the puck in the uh, right circle there and he'd be about to maybe pull the trigger and he would end up passing. Um, but every time he had the puck and anything even resembling uh, a scoring chance or a chance to shoot the puck, you could feel the noise kind of pick up, the anticipation build up. Uh, once again, fans were very, very excited to see Patrick Kane and uh, rightfully so. But in this game, uh, he was held off the score sheet, was a minus two, had four shots on goal, uh, Credited with two giveaways, 1936 of ice time for Patrick Kane, including five minutes and 58 seconds on the New York Ranger power play. And like I said, we'll kind of just go through everything that he did in this game. You know, he started the game. They had the uh, Kane, Panera, and Trocheck line out there together, which makes sense. You know, just have them jump right out there and get right into the action. Uh, one thing that was really funny coming into this game, uh, Artemi Panarin was interviewed after the Ranger win against the Flyers, and he was asked how he feels about Patrick Kane you know, being traded, and uh, he smiled and said, I was really pissed off, something along those lines. But just that classic Panarin sense of humor, you know he's excited to, to have his buddy back here uh, with the New York Rangers. But uh, a couple of instances where I thought the Rangers were maybe trying to force the puck to Patrick Kane early in this game, which you can understand to a certain extent. You know, They want to get him involved, make him feel like he's part of this team. Uh, Trocek had a chance to perhaps shoot, tried to force a pass to Patrick Kane, got intercepted, and the Senators went the other way with it. Uh, then there was a situation where you had Fox passing to Kane, passing to Panarin for a one-timer. This was very, very close to being a goal. Would have been a really nice tic-tac 
toe goal for the Rangers there. Uh, once again, Fox to Kane to Panarin. Cam Talbot, who I thought was excellent in this game, made a really nice sliding save. But uh, one of those saves where you know, the goalie isn't so sure that he's got it. He kind of like looked behind him and, and made sure that he had it, um, but obviously was able to keep the puck out. Uh, there was also a play where uh, Fox, you know, made a spin move, made a pass up the ice to Artemi Panarin in the neutral zone, and then Panarin led Kane into the offensive zone. Kane almost got behind the defense. Unfortunately, was broken up by uh, Jacob Chikrin, who was making his uh, Senators debut last night. Uh, then on the power play, you know, Kane, uh, some really nice hands to gain the zone, you know, kind of just slipped between a couple of defenders there, and... Uh, you had Panarin passing to Kane in the right circle, and you're kind of waiting for the shot here. This is one of those instances where I thought Kane definitely could have shot the puck. Instead, uh, made a pass back to Fox. Fox took the shot, and uh, the save was made. Then the second period, another power play opportunity for the Rangers. You've got Panarin flying up the center of the ice. He shot wide. Uh, some tic-tac-toe passing here by the Rangers. Kane passes to Panarin. Uh, the save was made. And another opportunity here, once again on the power play, where I thought Kane could have pulled the trigger and shot the puck. I mean, he probably wants to be a good teammate. He probably wants to set up his old buddy Artemi Panarin for a goal. You just hope that uh, Kane and the Rangers as a whole get a little bit more selfish than what we saw from them uh, in this game last night. Like I said, I mean, we've been over this and over this. There's a lot of players on this team that are kind of pass first. They want to shoot, set up their buddy for, you know, a great scoring chance, but sometimes you got to be a little bit selfish. You got to let the puck fly. And I think for Kane, if there was anything I could nitpick from this performance, because overall I thought he looked good. He was noticeable, um, you know, ha had some moments where you thought he was either going to score or maybe get an assist. Um, but if I can nitpick anything, it's just that he passed on too many uh, opportunities to shoot the puck by passing. So uh, that was the one big thing. Uh, there was also, Kane made a really nice defensive play in the third period, uh, knocked the puck out of the Rangers zone and almost was able to race it down. You know, the puck went out of the Rangers zone and all the way to the Ottawa zone, but uh, Talbot came out of the net and played the puck. If Kane could have gotten there, uh, that would have been awesome. Might have had a breakaway opportunity there. But one thing that stood out here after Kane, you know, cleared the puck out of the Rangers zone, I mean, he looked explosive moving up the ice, showing off some great speed there. Uh, so that was nice to see as well. And he also got a chance, did Patrick Kane, from in pretty deep with about 4.30 left, and that's when the Rangers were trailing uh, by just one goal. So he had his opportunities, and uh, him and Panarin looked good together. The chemistry was there. Like I said, everybody was just a little bit too pass-happy, but you figure um, it's going to click sooner rather than later uh, when it comes to Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin specifically, and just the Rangers as a whole. Like I said, I thought this was a tough night uh, for the Ranger power play. We're going to break that down, do a whole bunch of other stuff uh, in just a second here as well. Got to talk about how, you know, the Rangers are still a little bit compromised. No Ryan Lindgren, no Andre Miller. Uh, I want to talk about the power play units and how they lined up and, uh, you know, just a couple of other miscues that the Rangers had in this game. And we'll get to all that good stuff in just a second. But first, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you've got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. 
walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank us later. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New Year Craners your first listen every day. We are free and, all, and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And the NHL trade deadline is today, Friday, March 3rd. Join us live on the Locked On NHL YouTube channel from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time as the Locked On NHL hosts break down the biggest deals from across the league. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and we'll just go ahead and uh, keep things rolling here. We had a uh, goalie matchup of Yaroslav Halak versus Cam Talbot, and I saw some Ranger fans on Twitter, you know, saying that, oh, man, should have just gone right back to Igor Shesterkin. The Rangers played a back-to-back. This is the second game of a back-to-back, and it's their second back-to-back in less than a week. Igor played both games of the previous back-to-back. He's not going to play all four games of two back-to-backs in Less than a week's time. That, that's just not going to happen. I always figured the smart money was probably on Yaroslav Halak for this game. And I thought Halak did all right. I know he gave up uh, four goals. Of course, the fifth goal was an empty netter by the Senators. Um, he made some really nice saves, though. He made a glove save against Tim Stutzla that should be, you know, maybe the play of the night on NHL Network or, or whatever it might be. But um, no soft goals or anything like that. Like I said, I think the Rangers in the third period, they kind of just fell asleep a little bit at the start of that period, which was not good. Um, but to be fair, you know, we do have to grade on a little bit of a curve here. I know that, you know, people look at the Senators and they think that that's a team that the Rangers should beat, especially with Patrick Kane making his debut, especially when you consider the fact that the Rangers were at home. But again, the Senators have played well recently and it's a very desperate team. And that's kind of been a trend that's been going on with the Rangers recently. We've seen them play a lot of playoff bubble teams. For a while, it was a lot of uh, bubble teams in the Western Conference. And now you get the Senators who who desperately needed a win. I believe they were five points out of the last playoff spot coming into uh, last night's game. So uh, that might have dropped down to three. I haven't checked the standings. But bottom line, they're playing a desperate team and a team that's been hot lately. And a team that overall, I think, has played the Rangers uh, fairly well uh, or fairly tough in recent seasons as well. Um, but as for, you know, no Lindgren, no Miller, that obviously hurts. The Rangers had to go with just five defensemen. There was some controversy before this game because, you know, there was some conjecture about whether the Rangers would be allowed to do an emergency call-up. And if they did that, it would have to be a defenseman making less than 850 k uh, per season. So there was some anticipation that the Rangers might do that. My understanding is that the fact that the Rangers traded for Patrick Kane, it, it sounds like the league believes that the Rangers, you know, caused this situation for themselves. And as a result of that, did not allow the Rangers an emergency call-up. I mean, there, there's so much going on with what the Rangers have done recently when it comes to the salary cap gymnastics and, you know, the Keandre Miller suspension kind of complicated everything. And there was that game where Braden Schneider and uh, Ryan Carpenter didn't play at all. Carpenter was out there for 13 seconds. And there were people thinking that, you know, if they were on the ice, it would count against the salary cap, which is not true. They just kept them off the ice because they didn't want them to get hurt. But there's been a whole bunch of just crazy stuff going on as it pertains to this. Uh, Patrick Kane was even talking about this and, you know, saying that he felt kind of bad that they've been in a situation where they've had to play shorthanded, but that he ultimately hopes that uh, it pays off in the Rangers' favor. But just a bunch of, you know, interesting stuff like that going on. And obviously, look, you're down to your best defense, and that's going to hurt you. I think maybe at times it did hurt the Rangers uh, in this game as well. Uh, Did want to talk about the uh, Ranger power play units, though. We were trying to figure out 
who would make up uh, the top two units, or the only two units, on the power play for the Rangers uh, once the trade for Patrick Kane went through. And it pretty much went exactly how we thought that it would. Uh, You had a top unit of Kane, Panarin, Mika, Kreider, and Fox. And then a second unit of Trotrek, Tarasenko, Hedl, Truba, and Kako. And those are the 10 players that I thought would probably be out there. I mean, you could maybe make a case for for Lafreniere over Kako. I thought that's kind of the, the one spot that was maybe... Uh, undetermined, or the one that was hard to figure out, but I thought it would be Kako. It was Kako. And we'll see what happens with when Ke'Andre Miller comes back. I would imagine you might see a situation where he replaces Truba on the second power play unit, but it's wild how many uh, options the Rangers really do have there. Uh, unfortunately, this is not a good night for the Ranger power play units. Uh, they end up going 0 for 4 on the man advantage in this game, and that included a five-minute major penalty against the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, the Rangers had the full five minutes to, to try to get a goal or multiple goals. Uh, they were not able to do it. And that was a really big spot in the game because the Rangers were already up one to nothing at that point. And you have a chance, five-minute major here. I mean, you got to get at least one, right? You got five full minutes of power play time. You've got these two power play units that are absolutely loaded. And I realize the Senators have been very, very good on the penalty kill recently. I believe the stat that they showed was they had killed 29 of the last 30 uh, power plays that they faced. And so if you factor in last night's game, that now goes up to 33 out of 34. Um, but be that as it may, you know, the Ranger power play just really didn't click in this game, couldn't really get a whole lot going. And another way to look at this, yeah, the Rangers were 0 for 4 on the power play, which is not ideal on any night. But when you factor in that five-minute major penalty, another way to look at this is that the Rangers had 11 minutes of power play time because you got the five-minute and then the 3-2 the minutes. So that's 11 minutes of power play time. Did not score a goal uh, in any of that time. And it wasn't a situation where, you know, that the Senators were on the power play for 18 seconds and then they took a penalty and then the Rangers ended up with an 18-second penalty. Uh, power play. No, all these power plays were legit. You had a five-minute and uh, three full two-minute power plays, and the Rangers could not get the puck in the net, despite you know having a, a pretty loaded uh, power play unit or units, you know, depending on how you look at it. So that was unfortunate. They weren't uh, able to convert on any of those opportunities. But you got to figure uh, with all the firepower that they now have, all the firepower that they already had on the power play, and now of course they had Patrick Kane. Sooner or later, that's going to click. I, I really do think it's only a matter of time. And you know, they ran into a. Uh, a team that was desperate, a team that's been hot, and a team that's really been excelling on the penalty kill. So I think you have to chalk up part of the struggles of the Ranger power play uh, to that as well. We're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to talk a little bit about uh, a disturbing trend that's kind of, once again, reared its head for the Rangers. And, I mean, I don't have a magic solution as far as how to fix it, but I'm going to get into what I mean uh, in just a second here, and we'll we'll kind of break the whole thing down. But uh, first, we got to let everybody know Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Indeed. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you do not pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process, find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates 
with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit. To upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash locked on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so let's keep everything rolling here. And as I mentioned just a second ago, I wanted to discuss a disturbing trend that rears its head every now and then for the Rangers, and it was back in full force last night. And longtime listeners of this show, you probably already know where I'm going with this. The problem that the Rangers have in the shift that immediately follows a goal. When you look at this game last night, the Rangers, all four goals that the Senators scored, and we're not counting the empty netter because that's in a category of its own, and we're going to talk about that decision uh, to pull the goalie as early as the Rangers did in a little bit here. But the four goals that the, the Senators scored, the four traditional goals, the four non-empty net goals, whatever you want to call it, it all happened uh, pretty much one right after the other, um, you know, at least in sets of two. The Rangers go into the second period. They're up one nothing. Beautiful, uh, shorthanded breakaway goal by Chris Kreider. A little forehand backhand action, tucks it into the net. Um, so that gave the Rangers the one to nothing lead. But then in the second period, about midway through, you got Shane Pinto scoring from point-blank range in front of the Ranger net. Uh, that obviously tied the game at 1-1. And then just, let's see, 21 seconds later, you got our old friend Derek Broussard uh, scoring his first of two goals in this game and uh, giving the Rangers a 2-1 to lead. And it only took 21 seconds. All 21 of those seconds, it felt like this was about to happen. You know, the centers immediately got the puck back into the Rangers' zone, immediately went back to work, and of course converted on their scoring opportunities. So you got two goals in the span of just 21 seconds, and obviously, you know, it was one shift after the next. Then in the third period, Rangers go in uh, up 3-2, to two, you know, looking like they're in control of the game. Uh, obviously, you're not home free at that point, but you're feeling good. You got the lead. You're at home. You've played well. You've, you've already come from behind to take the lead, and you give it up uh, pretty much as soon as the third period starts. You got Derek Broussard again uh, scoring 135 into the third period, and then Claude Giroux scores to give the Senators a 4-3 lead, 326 into the third period. So, you have, in the second period, the Senators scoring two goals in 21 seconds. Then in the third period, when the Rangers need to be at their best, need to be at their sharpest, the Senators score uh, two goals in less than two minutes. If I'm doing some quick math here, I believe two goals in a minute and 51 seconds. And honestly, it could have been even worse because it was right after this, the Senators scored another goal. Uh, Kachuk, you know, put one home. But... Fortunately for the Rangers, they were able to challenge that the play was offside and the play was indeed overturned. So if not for that challenge and if not for that, you know, goal being overturned, you would have had a situation in this game where the Senators scored two goals in the span of 21 seconds and then three goals in the span of about three minutes, four minutes, something like that. So that's not good. You know, the Rangers need to be sharper uh, when it comes to the shift following a goal. I don't know how many different ways I can say it. I don't have a magic wand that can just magically, you know, cure this problem for the Rangers. But I think we're getting to a point where that needs to be a point of emphasis from the coaching staff. And you need to figure out your go-to line in that spot. Which line are we going to go to right after a goal is scored? Whether we scored the goal or whether they scored the goal, which line can, you know, 
take the ensuing face off, get the puck deep, and at least go to work. At least cycle the puck in the offensive zone. They don't have to score. They don't have to create like, you know, grade A scoring chances left and right, but they can't get back on their heels. They can't fall asleep and they can't allow these great scoring chances to happen in the shift that follows a goal. That is a recipe for absolute freaking disaster in the playoffs. We, we know how these playoff games, everybody's got to be so razor sharp. We know how the momentum of a, a playoff hockey game can just turn at the drop of a hat. And this is one surefire way to make that happen, where if you give up a goal, or even if you score the goal, you know, you fall asleep on the next shift and you allow uh, a goal for your opposition. That, that's not going to be good come playoff time, and it's something the Rangers uh, definitely need to figure out because it seems to happen too often. And it's one of those things, like, I don't really know how to quantify this. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a stat that exists as far as, you know, teams that give up the most goals on the shift that follows a goal or teams that give up the most goals in the minute or minute 30 that follows a goal. You know, I, if anybody knows where to find that stat, if there's a website that keeps track of things like that, I would love to. It feels like it happens to the Rangers a lot more than other teams. And maybe I'm exaggerating it. Maybe the Rangers are like middle of the road in that department and it's not as bad as I make it out to be. But man, it just feels like there's way too many times where they give up a goal on the shift that follows a goal or in the next minute, minute and a half that follows a goal, uh, whatever it might be. And, um, you know, again, it's something that I just feel like they definitely need to correct uh, going forward. We also had, you know, I mentioned Derek Broussard a second ago. Uh, he was playing in his 1,000th NHL game and ends up getting two goals against the Rangers uh, because, of course, he does. And it's been at least a couple hundred episodes since I've thrown this idea out there. There's talk in the offseason that the Rangers might have to trade Barclay Goodrow. And it's not something that I want to see happen, but if it opens up enough cap space to keep either Kane or Tarasenko and, you know, get the, the Ranger young players under contract, whatever the case might be, and you have to move on from Barclay Goodrow to make that thing happen, then it would at least be understandable. That opens up a spot in the bottom six. Who says no to Derek Broussard uh, coming back to center of the fourth line next season? And I know, you know, he's getting older now. I believe he's 35 years old. Um, but you know, there's worse fits than that, you know, for, for a fourth line center. And uh, I can't imagine he's making a ton of money. I didn't check his contract or anything like that, but I used to always throw that out there in the early days of this locked on New York Ranger podcast, the idea of a Derek Broussard reunion, just to have a veteran leader in the room. Obviously the Rangers have more leaders now and the team's getting a little bit older, but you know, to have a, a veteran in the bottom six, not the worst thing. And, uh, you know, Derek Broussard with, uh, that night that he had for himself up to, uh, now 11 goals on the season, so uh, not doing a bad job in the, in the bottom six for the uh, the Ottawa Senators. He's also got 10 assists, so 21 points in 49 games for Derek Broussard. Could do a lot worse than that uh, for your fourth-line center, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. As for this game, uh, one positive thing that happened is that the Rangers uh, coming into this game had given up at least one power play goal in eight consecutive uh, matchups. And that streak has now been snapped. The Senators go 0 for 3 on the power play. And the Rangers, uh, they got the aforementioned Chris Kreider shorthanded goal to boot. So that was obviously a positive. The Ranger PK hopefully getting back on track. And uh, you hope that they can bring it uh, against the Bruins in the next game because they're going to need to. You know, the Bruins excel uh, on both special teams, you know, power play and penalty kill. So uh, if the Rangers are going to have a chance in that one, they're going to have to bring it uh, as far as the penalty kill is concerned. Uh, also wanted to uh, mention... Tyler Mott, the injury that he sustained, uh, he was ruled out in the second period with an upper body injury after he took a big hit uh, by Watson in the first period. Didn't like that hit at all. Thought Watson went shoulder to jaw, basically. Uh, they announced that it was a five-minute major. They review it to make sure. 
they confirm the five-minute major, and uh, Watson's out of the game just like that. And, you know, the Rangers, they've mostly stayed healthy this season. I mean, Philip Heal missed a couple of games early in the year. Uh, Krasov obviously, you know, missed some games due to injury as well, but, you know, he's out of the picture, and he's over with the Canucks now. For the most part, though, I think the Rangers have, you know, knock on wood, uh, had some pretty good luck as it pertains to injuries, but, you know, Tyler Mott, we'll see if he's available in the next one. Haven't really seen anything definitive there. Uh, Ryan Lindgren, when he got injured, Gerard Gallant said that he expects it to be, you know, kind of a short-term thing, uh, but that's obviously kind of vague. You know, we might have different ideas of what short-term is. Uh, you know, Saturday against Boston, that would be a heck of a time, I would say, to uh, to get Ryan Lingren back into the lineup because the Rangers are going to need all the help that they can get. And we, of course, know that they're going to have to be without Keandre Miller for that game, who will serve the third and uh, final game of his suspension. Another big thing that I really wanted to do today was talk about uh, the empty net decision made by Gerard Gallant at the end of this game. Uh, the Rangers had an offensive zone faceoff forthcoming. There was 251 to go in the game, and the Rangers at this point were trailing by a score of 4-3. And Gerard Gallant is not alone here. There's a lot of coaches who do this. The, the idea of pulling the goalie has kind of been revolutionized in the past year or so. You know, we see teams do some weird things. You know, earlier this season, was it the Wild? The Rangers were playing somebody, and... The team that they were playing was down by four goals, and they pulled their goalie with, like, 15 minutes to go. I think they had a power play, and they were trying to, you know, get one back there. Uh, we see teams, you know, when they're down by two goals, you know, they'll pull their goalie with as much as, like, four minutes to go in certain situations. And even when down by just one goal, we see teams pull their goalie much earlier than they used to. It used to always be right around, like, the one-minute mark is when the team would pull the goalie. Uh, but now coaches and, and, and teams around the league are doing it uh, earlier than they ever have before. But I'm sorry. You know, you call the timeout here. There's 2.51 to go. You have an offensive zone faceoff forthcoming. It is too early to pull your goalie, especially when you've got a high-powered offense like the Rangers do. I mean, this is not a team that, you know, should struggle to score goals down the stretch when you consider uh, all the weapons that they have. You've got 2.51 to work with. It is too early to vacate your net and risk potentially giving up an empty net goal with a lot of time left, and now you got to score two goals instead of just one. 2.51 is way, way too early when you're down by just one goal. If you're down by two goals, I get it, because, hey, we got to score twice. we got to get the goalie off the ice. we got to try to make something happen. It's desperation time. 2.51 to go. When you've got guys on the ice like Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, and Chris Kreider, and Adam Fox, and Vladimir Tarasenko, and Philip Hedl, and the rest of the kids. That is just too early. You're, you're gift-wrapping them an opportunity to seal the victory much earlier than they should be able to, and unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. And there seemed to be some indecision here, too, because before the face-off, the Rangers called timeout, they go back onto the ice, the, the face-off's about to happen, and they had Halak on the ice, they had him way, way away from his net, you know, kind of like halfway to the bench. And, you know, if the Rangers win the faceoff, then he can just go straight off the ice. They get the extra skater and, um, you know, you just take it from there. Uh, but instead, uh, they waved Halak off the ice before the faceoff even happened. So you've got six skaters for the Rangers on the ice with 2.51 to go. The centers win the faceoff. They clear it down the ice. Uh, they do not score. They just miss. I think it was Drew who shot it down the ice. Uh, but then the centers get control of the puck and they score, which is 2.50. Uh, excuse me, 242 to go. So 251 when the puck dropped, the center scored nine seconds later with 242 left, and now you're down by two goals. You had 242 left with all the weapons that I just mentioned to try to get the equalizer, and now you've just basically wasted that opportunity. And yes, I know you're down by two goals with 242 left. It's still 
possible, but I mean, that took the wind out of everybody's sails, the players, the fans, everything. You know, that was going to be a, a really fun final 251 there, and it got ruined because the Rangers pulled their goalie prematurely. And again, I will say this over and over and over again, that is just way too early, down by just one goal, to pull your goalie. It's just as simple as that. I think the Rangers would have been better served just going 5v5 there. You wait until there's maybe about, you know, a minute 45 left, a minute 30 left, whatever it might be. Even that might be a little bit too early. But, you know, at least then you don't have to worry about what happened here, which is giving up an empty net goal with 242 still to play. So didn't like that decision. I mean, I like Gerard Galan. I think overall he pushes the right buttons with this team, but was not uh, in favor of that decision there. And he's not alone. A lot of coaches in this league seem to pull their goalie uh, earlier than they ever have, but was not a fan of that in that situation. It, it killed what could have been a really fun finish uh, to this game. I figure we could pretty much call it there for today, though, guys. Uh, so as I mentioned, Rangers are going to be back in action Saturday at 1 p.m. against the Boston Bruins in Boston. The Bruins, by the way, their record right now, 48-8-5. and That doesn't even seem real. That doesn't even seem possible, uh, but it seems to be a fact. You go to the standings, and that's what it says for the Boston Bruins. Rangers are 0-2 against the Bruins so far this year, so uh, hopefully they can salvage the final meeting here, get a big win, a big confidence-boosting win uh, going forward. The other thing I want to mention is that uh, the NHL trade deadline is today, Friday at 3 p.m., uh, but the Rangers have about 18 cents in cap space, so I can't really see them doing much of anything. That's why we're recording uh, this fifth and final episode right now and getting it out before the trade deadline. But hey, sit back and enjoy all the trade deadline madness. If the Rangers do do something, you know, we'll cover it uh, in the future. And the only other thing that I want to mention, one last reminder here. It's going to be my last episode for a little while. I'm taking a vacation. Going to be off all next week and then Monday and Tuesday the following week. So uh, come back here refreshed and ready to go for the home stretch uh, for the New York Rangers. And thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and you know for staying patient with me uh, throughout this break that I'm about to be taking here. But we're going to be back in full force uh, for the Rangers down the stretch and you know hopefully right into the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.